0: come alive with pastor mark martinez
1: be careful that this type of behavior does not define you that you you go off of emotions G. Campbell Morgan said, if God calls you to kingship, you have no right to hide. You have no right to hide. If God calls you into a position, no matter what that position is, you have no right to say no. It's either Lord or not at all. Remember when the food came down, Peter says, no, Lord, I can't eat this. It's unclean. He's holding to a a set of rules that God had set. But God says, don't say no to the stuff that I've declared clean."
0: Samuel called for Saul to anoint him as king of Israel. He hid. Have you ever been afraid or insecure about God's calling in your life? If you look back, you'll find that God has confirmed for you time and time again that He knows you better than you know yourself. Never let insecurity or fear get in the way of obedience and faithfulness to Jesus. It turns out God knew exactly where He was, and He knows where you are at in life too. In today's message, Pastor Mark will challenge us to stop hiding from God and from His calling. We need to learn to stop reacting to life's challenges with our feelings. Let God lead you today. Well, let's join Pastor Mark
1: in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 10 for today's edition of Come Alive. Remember, we talked about him being a little humble. He was a humble guy. His dad's donkeys were lost. So he's like, I'll go, Dad. That could have been a servant's job. And then we see that he took advice from a servant. Hey, instead of moving on and going back home, I heard there's a man from God here, Saul. Let's go listen. Okay, cool. That's a humble man that's willing to take advice from, from somebody that's a subordinate. A humble man. So is he humble? Is he modest? Or is he afraid? Well, I think he's afraid at this point. I think he's afraid. See, because true humility, no matter how big or how scary the task is, still accepts God's will. It still accepts it. At the same time, depending on God's strength, that person that accepts it says, I'm going to just depend wholeheartedly on you, Lord. And it was the same thing. When we came out here to plant a church, I didn't have lessons. They didn't offer a class, Church Planting 101. We didn't know anything. I didn't even know church insurance existed. But I found out. And then to show up and to have nobody come, it was like, all right, Lord, it's all you. And then some people came, and you, some of you guys know the story. And then other people came and it just continues to happen. So here he's hiding out of fear, I think. True humility isn't thinking of yourself in a, in a mean way. You know, some people think that you got to think bad about yourself to be truly humble or you got to insult yourself constantly to be humbled. And some people will do that out loud in front of other people. And and you got to be careful with that because here's the deal. Humility is not thinking of yourself at all. So if you're sitting there like, oh, I'm just a dumb guy, then, you know, you're thinking about yourself. Yeah, we all make those mistakes and we say those things. I say it all the time when I make a wrong turn. I'm like, man, I can't believe I'm so ignorant to to do that. But sometimes that's a little bit of pride thinking, wow, I should have known which way to go. But we all make mistakes. So true humility is not thinking of yourself at all. And if Saul had been focused on the glory of God, guess what? He would have shown up. Saul would have shown up and presented himself in front of those people, humbly accepting God's call. And this is our first sign of trouble ahead, I think, for this man Saul that we see. He starts off great. And, and, you know, you think about it, he does some good stuff, and we'll look at those things later on in other chapters, but this shows us some insight into his character. We see a man willing to follow his emotions rather than following God. When we follow emotions, well... Anything can get messed up in that. So he follows his emotions instead of building his faith, following God out of faith. And so sometimes if you follow your emotions, it's easy to blow it. You've got to constantly repent when you do that. You know, you hear people say, well, you know, I felt this. And it's like, yeah, but how many times have your feelings deceived you? Your feelings will deceive you all day long. It's it's all about faith. No matter how long you walk with God, be careful that this type of behavior does not define you. That you, you go off of emotions. G. Campbell Morgan said, if God calls you to kingship, you have no right to hide. You have no right to hide. If God calls you into a position, no matter what that position is, you have no right to say no. It's either Lord or not at all. Remember when the food came down, Peter says, no, Lord, I can't eat this. It's unclean. He's holding to a, a set of rules that God had set. But God says, don't say no to the stuff that I've declared clean. How often do we do that as Christians? Oh, Lord, you know, I, I know I should go out there and talk to that neighbor, and I'm, but I'm not. I'm not equipped. You don't know until you do it. I mean, what equipped Saul to be king? Some oil? Really? If we were voting for a president and somebody, and I wanted to run and said, hey, I'm I'm qualified. I got this bottle of oil and I'm going to pour it on myself. I'm equipped. If that was truly the Holy Spirit, then I would probably be more equipped than most. But I mean, how many of us would vote for that guy that shows up and says, hey, I'm equipped. I can be your president of the United States because somebody dumped oil on my head. Most of us would be like, what a fool. Really? You've never served in public office? I've never served anywhere. I found some donkeys once. Or in our modern day, I found three pickups that somebody, you know, they just drove off by themselves. You'd be like, man, no, we ain't voting for that guy. There's problems right off the bat. But it's the same thing that's taking place right here i got to go find some donkeys. I listen to my servants. Isn't that what the president of the United States, we the people, isn't that we the people, not I the president? And It doesn't matter which president, which government official, it's we the people. I was sitting with some guys at this pastor's conference, and they went and they met with a public official, and he was telling them all this stuff. And one guy raised his hand and goes, "But we're here to tell you what we want, not you to tell us what you're going to do. That's how it works. And they broke it out and they started talking, and the guy was really upset that it turned. And we've twisted everything. And we do the same thing with God. Oh, yeah, God, well, who who are you to tell me what to do? I, I got a job. What if God told you not to show up to your job and your boss said, you better be here tomorrow, you lose it? What would you choose? Would you choose your work or would you choose God? What would you choose? what would you choose if God calls you to proclaim the good news or to serve in children's ministry or to go out and feed the homeless or clean bathrooms or whatever it is you have no right to hide. You and I have no right to hide. Look at verse 23. So they ran and they brought him from there. And when he stood among the people, he was taller than any of the people from his shoulders upward and now, there's something to vote for. He's tall. He's good-looking. Let him be president. But here's, here's what I like. Here's this problem. You got this big tall guy that's hiding, head and shoulders above the rest. And here's what Samuel does. And Samuel said to all the people, Do you see him whom the Lord has chosen, that there is no one like him among all the people? So all the people shouted and said, Long live the king. He, he Samuel says, well, you know, this is a pretty embarrassing situation right off the bat. Our new king is over here hiding. He's afraid. But they like that he's tall, so I'm going to go with what they like. I'm going to point out all the stuff we see right here up front so this doesn't turn bad. So he does. He says, hey, do you see him? Take a look at him. He's good looking. This is what you chose over God. You chose this guy. And he's a good-looking man. Verse 24, and Samuel said to all the people, do you see him? Verse 25, then Samuel explained to the people the behavior of royalty. So Samuel does what he can to salvage the embarrassing situation. He highlights the physical features of Saul. The people were impressed. I find this a little funny. But because God doesn't need cool features or outward appearances to to work through anyone, he, he doesn't need high IQs. He doesn't need good-looking guys, hair styled a certain way. He says, hey, you know what? If you're just willing to be willing and available, I'll work through you. He just needs you to be available, flexible, willing to see miracles. He just needs you to be surrendered to his will. You know, that's it. It's real simple. You don't need a degree to do a whole lot of stuff. You just need a surrendered will. And I know a lot of guys that have moved up in a lot of companies that have no college education where those companies said, there's no way you're going to get this job unless you have a bachelor's, at least a bachelor's. And these guys are like, well, I'm not even going to try for it. And I've counseled many guys. I'm like, you go for it. If God wants you to have that job, nothing will stop you. And they go for it. And I've got a couple of friends that, man, one guy didn't even finish 10th grade. and, And he's a vice president of a bank. Oh, you'll never get hired there. It's like, hey, man, don't put God in a box. Just be surrendered to him. In verse 25, then Samuel explained to the people the behavior of royalty and wrote it in a book and laid it up before the Lord. And Samuel sent all the people away, every man to his house. So Samuel links the kingship with the with divine covenant with divine purpose. He says, hey, you're the king. This is what you need to do. And this is how you need to do it. And so here, the people remember the speech about the king being pretty harsh as a warning. And so Samuel points out the duties of the king and the people, and he most likely reminded the peoples and saw that he as king would have to submit to the Lord and to his word. So he just reminds them, hey, this is what a king does. This is how the king of Israel is going to behave. He's got to submit to God. And then in verse 26, and Saul also went home to Gibeah, and valiant men went with him whose hearts God had touched. Now this is awesome. I love this one verse out of all that we read. Because there went with him a band of valiant men. When you think about it, how cool is it to be a Christian and have other Christian guys around you all the time hanging out with you? going fishing, standing in a tree, hunting, whatever it is you like to do, working on a stage. It's awesome. And I'm not trying to be chauvinistic, but, I mean, for guys, that's a cool thing. We hang out with guys, and it's awesome. And then you can bring that one guy. That's how I was invited into the the family of of Jesus Christ was one guy said, hey, why don't you come and play some hockey? And I was playing hockey, and I didn't know these other guys were, were pastors, They played hockey. I I thought pastors were very, actually, I thought Christians were very feminine men. Uh, I had this Ward Cleaver outlook on them. They were kind of went, they changed clothes for dinner. Uh, They lived a really weird lifestyle and had a really weird glazed look, and they smiled at you, and they were like bobbleheads all the time. You know, I was just like, because that's all I'd ever experienced. Hey, man, we want to share the gospel with you. And you're like, get off my front door. You're freaking me out. It's like a horror movie at 12 noon. And so I had this very weird view of Christians, Christian men. And then I met these guys who were out there falling on ice and punching and elbowing. And I'm like, man, these are the guys I want to hang out with. Come to find out, they were all Christians. Come to find out, they all spoke in a different way. None of them cussed. I was amazed at that. I was like, man, I like that. All my friends cuss. I don't want to cuss. But I do. But I like these guys. This is awesome. So I was invited into that. And I got to see how they acted, how they treated one another and thought, that's what I want. These guys are cool. Well, what I thought was cool was being redefined by a group of people that I was like, whoa, what makes you different? And one guy picked up his Bible and said this. I was like, oh, no, I'm surrounded. But it was a good thing. It was a great thing. And it was so much fun that every time I think, I sometimes sit back, and the other day Asa and I were listening to, and the first Christian song I ever heard was Jesus Freak by DC Talk. Because if I'd have heard anything by Amy Grant, I probably would have been throwing up. And I'm not saying she's bad, it's just not my style of music, especially at that time. So I hear this song about a guy who has a tattoo on his big fat belly and it wiggled around like marmalade jelly, you know? And I was like, wow, that was pretty stinking funny. And the visual I got from that, it says Jesus freak. And I was like, that's what I want to be. And I remember I played that song over and over, kind of the way a fighter would play some certain music to get himself pumped up. I remember playing that song over and over and over before I went to work. I'm going to go tell people I'm a Jesus freak. I'm going to go tell people I'm a Jesus And I'd walk into work and am like, hey, I'm a, glad to see you, man. It's good it been a long time, a couple hours since last night. Seven, man, cool. See ya. They didn't understand what happened to Mark. So finally one day I said, I'm just going to do what the song says. I'm going to do what the song says. I listened to it over and over. I think I played that song until it wore out. And I went in and I told my friend and at that point I was like, I wish I had never told him. I was insulted, made fun of. He ran quickly and told other people, are you serious? You know, all these people. But I remember he kept on thinking about that song. Just do it. If a big fat man can do it with a tattoo on his belly, with his shirt off, willing to go through that. And then, I started, and then the Lord brought a picture to my mind. Remember when you were in high school with your neon blue mohawk, you did not care what anyone thought. So why would you now? Now you're different. You're really different. Back then, you wanted to be different, and you really weren't that different because all 10 of your friends with the blue mohawks, with your F conformity shirts on, well, you conformed to each other. It was weird. But now you're really different. And I thought, okay, cool. And then a few days later, the Lord just told me, don't be intimidated anymore. Be the intimidator. And it was amazing how this transformation took place. There was no more hiding I had a band of guys, valiant men, that would pray for me every day as I went to work. And I would call them on the phone like, man, this guy's telling me stuff about dinosaurs. Okay, tell him this. And I'd be on the phone like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And I'd be yelling around the corner, he, he just said this. Yeah, okay, I'll tell him that. And then, you know, and I'd be on the phone. Oh, and then, hey, he just said that. Oh, I need to talk to another pastor? Can you transfer me? You know, I mean, I was, I was witnessing with a phone in my hand. And I remember the other day I was listening to that D.C. Talk song with Asa. And it just brought back those memories. And I thought, how fun. I knew nothing. Nothing at all. But I was willing to open my mouth and be that guy. How fun was it? And then I started reading about Samuel and thought, man, he's got these valiant men around him. And I think there's nothing more exciting and has great potential than a brother, a Christian, a brand new Christian with valiant men around him. A bunch of men whose hearts have been touched by God, who are knitted together by God. And to me, that potential of guys, the potential of the guys in this church, which I don't think we even tap in close to what we can do and we need to. The potential that the guys have, and, and I'm saying this because our guys, our men's group is big. big. Our our men gather together, and, and we have a lot. I mean, we had more people here on Tuesday to move a stage than we had on a Wednesday night Bible study. We had a lot of people. I think almost every guy in this church was here, and there were some that weren't even from this church here to see the potential that can happen. And, and if you're, you weren't here and you're one of those guys, or if you're a lady and you're not one of those valiant ladies that are gathering together with other Christian ladies, then, man, you're missing out. I can tell you, you're missing out on a bunch of good stuff. See, what God can do when he touches those hearts is he can do amazing things because there's more people. There's that safety in numbers. And God intended that man to be the head, the spiritual leader of the house of those spiritual things. And if that man isn't, then I believe that woman needs to take the place and, and, and let that guy get to where he needs to be. But he needs to be the spiritual leader. But that's not what God designed is for the divine order was for man to be the spiritual leader, and it's God's divine order that man lead the house in spiritual things. And so how strong and how blessed will that house be when the guy actually does that, steps up to the place he needs to be to assume that spiritual leadership? And then, ladies, how your husband should be encouraging you to do women's ministry and going out and and banding together with your sisters in Christ. But with the church, there was sort of an, uh, again, that back in the day, even a long time ago, a lot of tough guys They go, oh, church, you Christians, you're wimpy dudes. You're wimpy guys. And it's not a bunch of sissies. You know, it's not the, the men in the church that Christian men are sissified. Uh, they're strong men. And there's some real strong ones here. And, and I think it's amazing how God uses each and every one of those guys. But if we band together, just think of what we can do. And so... Jesus Christ challenges the manhood of man. He'll challenge your manhood. My manhood was challenged when I came and got saved. Uh, I wanted to hide like Saul on certain days. And then I just remembered it was like the Lord said, no, get up, get out there. I've put people around you to help you in this place. So, I think that one of the greatest challenges to any man to really assert the fullness of his manhood is to commit your life completely, and I say completely, 100%, not just some days, not just Sundays. Not just Sundays and Wednesdays, but every single day commit it completely and fully to following Jesus Christ, 100%. I think that's one of the most manly things you can do. I think it's powerful. I think it's very dynamic. I think it's the most amazing thing when you get a bunch of guys together who can sit in a room and pray. I mean, our prayer times in the morning, every now and then there might be one, one lady in there. But our prayer times together in that room, church prayer, is a bunch of guys. It's a bunch of men. And it's not off-limits to women. And so, you know, we think of ourselves as strong Christians. And we, but you know what? It really shows in what you do. And guys, in what you do, what do you do? Are you leading your household spiritually? Or are you encouraging your wife to get out and do things and fellowship? Or are you saying, oh, I'll go out and fellowship. And it's okay. You stay here and you go ahead and you're my little mushroom. I'm going to leave you in the dark so you can grow. That's how fungus grows. They need to be out in the sunlight. Don't put your wives in the dark. See, God puts around Saul a bunch of these guys who were just on fire for God, a band of men whose hearts God had touched. And so you here now have potential for a bunch of marvelous things. Verse 27 says, But some rebels said, How can this man save us? So they despised him and brought him no presents, but he held his peace. Now, these guys are important in any ministry, the ones who despise you, because they are the ones that really, truly keep you humble. Sometimes some people will walk up and say, like, man, dude, I just, you smell bad. I was like, all right, praise the Lord. Thanks, Lord, for humbling me. So these guys didn't like him. They brought him no gifts. But the other guys, you know, they, they were there around him. And, but we do see that later on, Saul faded And fizzled, his walk with the Lord wasn't good. But I'm here to warn you, don't let yours fade out. Don't let that fire burn out. If you continue to put guys around you that are on fire, you will stay aflame for the Lord. And so write this down if you're taking notes. Micah 6.8. Micah 6.8 says, He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justly, to love mercy and walk humbly with your God, to do justly, to love mercy, and walk humbly with your God.
0: The people we meet in the book of 1 Samuel are quite the characters. We meet a woman who gave her only child to God, and a boy who heard and answered the call of the Lord. We also find a frightened king and a brave shepherd boy, both of whom would lead the people of Israel. Through each of these people and circumstances, we discover God's hand at work in powerful ways. We are so glad you tuned in today to Come Alive. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Google Play or iTunes to keep up to date with the latest from Come Alive and the church behind it. Calvary Chapel Katy is led by Pastor Mark Martinez and a staff of Jesus-loving, friendly people who do all we can to spread the good news of the gospel to all who walk through our doors. If you're in the Katy area, Tracy has an invitation for you.
1: We'd absolutely love to have you join us here at Calvary Chapel Katy for our Sunday morning service. We're now meeting at Wood Creek Elementary School, located at 1155 Wood Creek Bend Lane. It's exciting to be in a new space, and we hope you're able to come worship the Savior and study the Bible with us, filling our new home with praise and prayer. Give us a call for more information and directions, and we look forward to seeing you soon.
0: Our phone number is 281-391-5503. That's 281-391-5503. Thanks for listening today to Come Alive.